You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Everybody's excited, Ed. Everybody's pumped up. Nikki Lopez is texting Chris Getz. Naperville Nikki. Over the weekend and telling him this division's wide open and why not? Because we've already seen pictures of him and his friends in their White Sox outfits when he was a little kid living in Naperville. I mean, he is pumped up. Mike Soroka is sending out heartfelt messages to Braves fans and then heartfelt messages on social media to White Sox fans because he's ready to go out there and get it done. And there's rosy feelings after the trade that happened last week and moving Aaron Bummer to pick up five pieces, several of which could be in your rotation in 2024. And I want for it all to be great. But please, 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 if there's so much positivity that I start to feel like this is it, I'm going to be upset. This is just the beginning. It better be just the beginning. There's a lot more work to do. Well, there's a difference between the White Sox putting that stuff out and Mike Soroka or, or Naper Thrill Nikki, or I'll just shorten that down to Nikki Thrills, putting those things out themselves. I mean, I would expect Nikki Lopez to be excited to come back home, okay? And and whether he, and if he was a White Sox fan, if he truly was a White Sox fan growing up, this has got to be something that he's really excited to do. And so, absolutely, I'm, I'm excited for him to be excited to come here and play. And he's not wrong about the division being pretty wide open. You know, we have a lot of offseason in front of us to see how the Twins repack their their team because they lost a couple of rotation pieces. We have a long way to go to see what the Guardians are, and they've got a brand-new manager who's never managed before, so that's that's fun. But he's an ex-catcher, and that, that always works out, ask the Cubs. You, you have a lot of opportunity. Nicky Lopez isn't wrong, and Nicky Lopez should probably be an integral part of the team, whether he's playing every day as a starter or whether he's you know the primary utility guy. And so, good. I'm glad he's excited. I would expect Michael Soroka to be excited to have another opportunity. This is a guy that was not guaranteed a spot in the Braves rotation, right, at all. So he was, you know, if I'm him, he's looking at either one being non-tendered and then having to go out and find a job. Don't you think that's weird, though? Don't you think it's weird what happened with the Braves when you see them sign Reynaldo Lopez for three years and $30 million with another year on an option, and they're talking about stretching him out so he can pitch out of the bullpen but also start some games for him, and you're like, wait a minute. I mean, Soroka could have handled that and cost less money, and did you see what Lopez was like the last time he was a starter? Because I remember it. Like, what do the Braves see that they're like, we want to give Raylo all that money, and then we're going to use him as a starter at times, but then they're ready to move on from Schuster and Soroka. That's a question to ask your friend while you're sitting at Cork and Carry at the park at 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark or at the original Cork and Carry location in Beverly at 10614 Southwestern Avenue. The proud sponsors of Socks in the Basement, the podcast for fans by fans over at Cork and Carry at the park. Go see Gino. Two for one burgers when you dine in on Tuesdays. An incredible bar there with craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines. And on Black Wednesday, Man, I remember Black Wednesday when I was young. Get out to Cork and Carry at the park. There's a DJ 10 p.m. until close. $2 apple pie shots, $3 bush lights, $5 nooners. See more at CorkandCarry.com. 
And I wouldn't care about loud music. I would still be shouting to the person next to me in Cork and Kerry at the park about this trade on Wednesday night. Because I'm excited about Soroka. I, I am. I'm bullish on him. I think that that guy had an injury. And that's why he couldn't pitch well. And coming back from an injury, and, and when you get injured in the middle of something, I mean, it, it likens back to, to Jake Berger, how long it took for him to finally get to what he could be. But now you see him and he's just an old rookie. But he eventually the injuries cleared up. And I look at Soroka and what he did being a, a runner-up in the NL Cy Young a few years back. And I say, this guy healthy, I'm excited about. The Braves were more excited about Reynaldo Lopez. Well, because Ronaldo Lopez, I, regardless of Lopez's struggles, now that, that part I can't reconcile. And you have to ask the Braves, somebody from the Braves, why they think they're gonna, he's going to do better with them than, than what he did either with, a, with the Sox or with the Angels. But Ronaldo Lopez has done everything from come out in the ninth inning to try and close games, to be a multi-inning reliever, to start, to you know be in a high-leverage situation. I don't know that he's worth three years and $30 million. I, again, I can't speak to that. But I don't really think that Lopez's signing is a reflection on Soroka or why they decided to move on from him because it's entirely possible that with the Braves, they, they look at what Mike Soroka is and what his strengths are. And if this is not a guy that comes out of a bullpen, think about what a bullpen pitcher needs to do, right? They need to come out and they need to have one or two really electric pitches, okay? Whereas a starter needs to have multiple pitches. They need to have, it's more of a strategy game, right? They're not necessarily expected to come out and fire at 100 miles an hour. This is why Michael Kopech is such a disaster as a starter because he really is, he has two tricks, right? He has a fastball. And he has a slider, and then once you catch up with that, it, it doesn't work out so well. So they may have looked at it and gone, we just don't really know if Soroka fits us as a guy in the bullpen. And we're going to move on from him because we just don't know, in spite of the talent level, we just don't know if he makes any sense when we have Spencer Strider, when we have uh, you know, Max Fried, when we have Bryce Elder, when we have guys that are going to fill out our rotation and we don't really think we have room for this guy. If that's what the ask was, if, if he was the main piece, okay, for Chris Getz to sit there and go, I want Soroka. If I'm the Braves, I'm looking at that going, all right, you know what? There's reasons why we might move on from him. It might be a cost measure. I mean, just because they're the Braves and, and they don't act like the White Sox, not every owner throws around nickels like manhole covers the way Jerry Reinsdorf does, doesn't mean that the Braves aren't looking at their bottom line to a certain degree. But they might be looking at Soroka going, we're on the hook for his money, whether he's up here or, or we end up sending him down to the minors. And they may be looking at at something you know along the lines of Ronaldo Lopez as being a, being a piece that they feel like has that more flexibility and has a track record of being more flexible than what Soroka is. I really just think that they, they were looking at him as being uh, on the outs from the rotation and we're going to try and leverage him for something useful. And they felt like Aaron Bummer building up their bullpen was going to be more important than, you know, keeping around a guy who's in competition with five other guys for a spot in their starting rotation. I will tell you this about that trade. I've talked to people who I know around the country who root for other baseball teams. And they were all like, how could we not have a left-handed relief pitcher that we could deal for five players like that? Like there are, there are fans of other teams that are like, man, we could have used Soroka and Schuster in the back end of our rotation. You know, there are a lot of teams out there that that probably looked at that trade going, I didn't know that they were going to give all that up for a guy like Aaron Bummer. 
Because Aaron Bummer is not the worst pitcher in the world, but he isn't a lights out coming off a great season pitcher. No, he's a guy that's got some shaky things. Like he's got that ground ball rate and people love him for it. Like there are people that just went to their, that'll go to their grave telling you he was a great pitcher, right? They just believe in certain metrics about him. My eye test told me I didn't want him out there in big situations. Like I, I was like, oh man, here he comes. Like I would shake my head when I would see him come walking out of the, the bullpen. So, I mean, to give him up and to bring in five pieces, and not all those pieces are going to be on the Major League roster, but there's three of them that are going to be on the Major League roster, most likely. And to be able to bring that out and use that for not only depth and to also have some guys that have high upside. Again, Schuster, look at his minor leagues, working his way up. That was only his first taste. There's still more potential, I think, for Schuster than there is for Kopech this year. And he's a first-round pick, right? Schuster's a first-round pick. Yeah, so he's got a pedigree. It's not like this guy's a bum that they picked up. I mean, that's what makes this this trade. Here's the thing about the trade, right? The trade in and of itself is 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 so astounding on Chris Getz's part to be able to turn Aaron Bummer into five, frankly, useful pieces. Even if they are just, even if Brandon Shoemake does nothing more than man second base at Charlotte and is, is only in case of emergency, come up and play some defense, right? If that's all he is ever is, that's okay, right? If 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 they the pitcher, the, the other minor league pitcher they got never turns into anything, that's okay, right? But, but the, the fact that he was able to get two potential starting rotation pieces and a guy who is a legitimate major league infielder for Aaron Bummer, it was just sort of astounding in and of itself, but it's not... It can't be the only thing that we do, right? No, it this, can't this be. Isn't the end. It can't be. But the thing that I impressed me the most about the trade was the fact that it wasn't a paint-by-numbers Rick Hahn trade or Kenny Williams trade, where it's like we traded a player away and we got somebody who's on every list across Major League Baseball as somebody that's like number one on this list or number three on this list. That's not what they did. They said, we identified these players. We think there's something about them that we like and we think that we can develop them further and we can make them better. And by the way... There's major league ready talent sitting right here that can contribute this year. And that's not something the White Sox were doing that much under Han. You have to do things differently sometimes, much like our good friend Butch Zemar does at Elite Benefits of America. If your company's going through the medical renewal right now, you're dreading the entire thing. Increased premiums, out-of-pocket expenses. Some employees could go into medical bankruptcy based upon the decisions you make. Do not fear. Butch is here with Elite Benefits and the Elite Benefits Playbook. Whether you run the benefits program for your company, even own the company, let's say you just buy your insurance privately on your own, your retirement age medical, the folks over at Elite Benefits of America are the ones you need to call right now. Nobody wants to deal with insurance, but guess what? It's a necessary thing. There's a lot of money in it. You can save yourself money, save the company money, save your employees money. 708. 535-3006, reach out to Butch or hit him up at EliteBenefits.net. But it's not like Rick Hahn. This return was very different. This is a different way of doing things, which gives me hope for the return if they do trade Dylan Cease. And I think that it's becoming a foregone conclusion. And, and, and here's the thing, for anybody that's sitting there being upset about it, trust me, I'm upset when I see a really good pitcher leave too. When Dylan Cease walks out the door, you don't have a clear-cut ace of your staff. Now, was he one of the best aces in baseball? I would say no. I, I, I always felt like Dylan Cease was the best pitcher on the White Sox, but wouldn't be the best pitcher on other teams. 
mainly because he doesn't go deep into games. He doesn't go deep into games, and that's 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 why I felt that way. But you're going to lose something when he leaves. But when you wrap your head around the idea that he's a Scott Boros client and you really only had 24 and 25 with him before he went out there to go test the market, and you know as a White Sox fan you weren't going to keep him after that unless he was a bad pitcher, and then why would you want him, right? So, like, you knew that was coming. I get the idea that they want to move him right now. I don't know if it is the Dodgers, though. The Dodgers seems to make way too much sense. Like, the fact that Chris Getz... Oh, I disagree. You you disagree. Okay, break it down for me. Why do you think it's the Dodgers? Because I think it's a smokescreen. I think it's like, hey, the Dodgers are really close, hoping that the Orioles in, in, increase their offer. No, here's, here's the thing. I, I, the Dodgers... The Dodgers make sense from a public standpoint point of view, okay? Dylan Cease, the quote-unquote ace of the White Sox, who really is just the guy with the most arm talent on the White Sox in terms of starting pitchers that they have available to them right now, right? Not really an ace pitcher. Not going to be an ace pitcher for the Dodgers if that's the team. Really probably not going to be an ace pitcher for anybody that he goes to, to be perfectly honest. He's just a really, really talented guy that any team that picks him up is going to try and hope that he has more upside than what he's shown so far still. Um, the Dodgers, though, from a, from a national standpoint of who do you leak this out from makes the most sense because the Dodgers, as usual, have a pretty healthy mix of solid talent in their minor leagues that is potentially major league ready, some guys that have had some major league exposure. Unfortunately, uh, you know, you don't really have like a glut of anything in the majors that they can that they can trade off of unless, you know, they clone Trace Thompson and trade him back to us yet again somehow. But the Dodgers are big market competitive team that are looking to rebuild the rotation. So they make a lot of sense. Right. Why wouldn't they want two years of Dylan Cease? They could also sign him long term because they don't have the issues with Scott Boris that Jerry Reinsdorf does. The other thing, the other sneaky little thing here that the Dodgers come into play is a team that is a high payroll team doesn't always care about the luxury tax threshold and is a team that if Chris Getz is trying to do something sneaky with Dylan Cease, where you get your two years of Dylan Cease, but you are taking all of Yohan Moncada's money off of my books, that Dodgers thing becomes much more real for that because they can do something along those lines and they seem like a natural fit again because they have no starters in their rotation. They, they, they're in a bit of shambles because of injury and because of guys leaving and Clayton Kershaw being a thousand If something like that happens, though, are you getting anything back? Then it smacks of rebuild and I would be upset because it's like, okay, you didn't get anything for Cease and yeah, you cleared the money, but you better go out and spend it right away this offseason or I'm upset about it. But but you know what? It doesn't matter because I don't think the Dodgers are a good fit for what Chris Getz. If if, if the bummer trade is indication of what Chris Getz wants to do, okay, then what the Dodgers can offer for Dylan Cease doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Is it possible, though, that he has guys that are not on a list, right? Everybody's sitting there trying to guess, like, well, who would he get from the Dodgers? Is it possible that he has more intimate knowledge about the Dodgers minor league system than maybe any other minor league system that's out there because the White Sox share a spring training facility. He was the director of all the player development for a couple of years. He sat on those backfield games and watched his own guys and observed all the Dodgers prospects probably more than any scout 
in the White Sox organization has, he would have maybe the most intimate knowledge of somebody that he likes on a Dodgers roster because of all the games that he watches in the Springs because we share that facility with the Dodgers and he would have been at all those games. Is it possible that there is some return there or somebody that he's interested in? And when we do get a return, if it was a deal for Cease, there might be a name or two on there that we're like, huh? But he has a reason for it. Well, yeah, I suspect that that's going to be true in any situation, right? I mean, why did he pluck that one minor leaguer from the Braves? You know, there's obviously something there that he likes about the guy, right? Yeah, you probably would have made that trade without the guy. There has to be a reason why he asked for him. Right. So in any trade, you're going to sit there and go, especially when prospects are involved and it's not like a major leaguer for major leaguer. This becomes really, really easy, for example, if Dylan Cease is traded, you know, and, and you get back a young starting pitcher in return that's got more control or something like that, right? Like we're almost giving more to the other side to get less back because we're, we're gaining more control and we have more upside or something, but the guy's already in the majors. So think about on the Orioles, like let's say Grayson Rodriguez comes back, okay, where he's already spent a year in the majors. Now, he wasn't, you know, he's a little up and down or whatever. I'm not saying that that's the thing, but yeah, I would I would expect that there is some, there's some smoke there with the Dodgers because Chris Getz would be familiar, but looking at like what he could get, unless you're going full on rebuild and you're going to some guys that are years away, if he's trying to do something where he's building for 25, the return, the, the, the guys that are at the top for the Dodgers, guys like Nick Frasso, Gavin Stone, in terms of pitchers, I'm, I'm only talking pitchers now, Yeah, uh, Kyle Hurt, um, Landon Knack, you've got some names there that are known around the league, okay, and these are just guys off their prospect list, and you've got some guys that are actually on the Major League roster, too. And you've got some guys that were on their prospect list list, who had these big promises of hope that have faltered their first time they've gotten to the Majors. Right. These are the guys that Rick Hahn would have gone and gotten, because they're well, on a list. It, it, but what Rick, like what Miguel Rick Vargas would have been included in a deal, and you'd be like, yeah, but did you see him come up there and what he was doing? Like, maybe he's not ready for the majors. Maybe it exactly. won't work out for him, right? Like, I'd be more nervous with Han trying to deal Cease to the to the Dodgers because I think we'd get a bunch of guys that they were sure were going to work out, but they were still on a list. So I think that, like, there is part of me after watching the Getz trade with Atlanta that at least gives me hope that he's evaluating players in a different way because he's got different guys in that front office making those evaluations for him. And discussing with him what he want, what they what they can and can't do. Also, I I will say this: the one thing Chris Getz has going for him that Rick Hahn never had going for him is that he's a ball player, and he he recognizes ball players. Game knows game, man. Right, game knows game. I mean, you know, it, was he an all star? No. Was he was he is he a Hall of Famer? No. Was he an everyday Major League Baseball player? Yeah. For a while. Yeah, he was. And some of these guys he's trading for or the teams are trading to get off of his team will never get to his level. So he's at least sitting in there and you should be able to recognize ball players. So that's why I think that if there is a trade, whether or not it's with the Dodgers or if it's with the Orioles or whatever, like I think Cease gets moved. My bet would be, though, that while you might recognize a couple names in there, some of them you're going to sit there and say, huh, why did he want this guy instead of this guy? And, 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 but in the end, I would find that refreshing because of the last couple of years where it was, well, I'm trading Chris Sale. Just give me your best prospects. I don't know very much about them. Right. And, and there's no reason why we think that they're going to fit in. Right. But the point I was making with some of the names that, that I listed from the Dodgers, the pitchers all have 
you know, are scouted as having a ceiling of, say, a mid-rotation starter, okay? So if Getz's idea is to make another trade with Dylan Cease and, and he brought back five players for Aaron Bummer, if he is looking at this going, okay, if you're going to take Dylan Cease and you're going to have a couple of years from, of Dylan Cease for me, Dodgers, I'm going to take back enough of, of the players on that I like from your system and from your major league roster, maybe the bottom end of your major league roster, to the point where now in two trades I've built a ton of depth. So it, it, it might be, you know, a package of like six or seven players where he's just sitting there saying, okay, here's why I like these guys. And it might not be, say, Michael Bush, for example, right, who is one of their top prospects, or Dalton Rushing, who is their top prospect, who are these phenomenal left-handed bats in the minors, and Bush kind of struggled last year, but Bush doesn't fit because – Bush is a defensively challenged bat, right? He's barely adequate at second base. Right. And and the game's too fast at third. Well, that's the thing. He's he's going defense. Getz is going defense. That That's his mantra. That's what he's doing. That's how he's going to go about his business, whether you like it or not. He's going to have a defensive base. And then later on, you might see him add a bat when he goes, well, we can have a little bit of a liability here because I fixed my defense. I, I think that's that's his philosophy as he builds this team. That's why he just signed Paul DeYoung reportedly to a one-year deal to play shortstop, a guy that does not always hit over 200 in a season. He's been in baseball, though, for seven seasons because he plays really good defense. Clearly just a placeholder until Colson Montgomery gets here, hopefully sooner rather than later because it's going to be rough watching that guy at the plate. But he's going to throw some leather, and I'm going to have to listen to my dad call him Paul DeJung all season long while he's telling me how this team reminds me of a 1960s White Sox team. Can't wait for that. Hailstorm Brewing Company is the official brewery of Sox in the basement with a scratch kitchen now open 11 a.m. for lunch Tuesday through Sunday and into the evening, of course. In Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. It's a big, giant German beer hall. It's got a working brewery. You're watching them make all of the beer, and there's a great tap room off to the side as well. On these weird, warm November days going into December, maybe? They got the fire pit, they got live music on the weekends, and so much more. While you are there, be sure to try Crash Test Dummy. We reviewed it on Southside Pod recently. A Belgian triple 10.3%, one of the original beers that launched the brewery. It is back. Check it out and see more at hailstormbrewing.com. Defense is the goal for Chris Getz. Again, possibly Nicky Lopez and Paul DeYoung up the middle. Well, especially up the middle, right? That's a traditional thing. Have a good defensive catcher, have good defensive middle infielders, have a good defensive center fielder. We have the center fielder. Luis Robert Jr. is one of the best defensive center fielders around. Isn't I mean, it ridiculous, you know, too, when you're seeing like all these other fan bases on social media proposing trades that they want Luis Robert Jr.? One, he's not available. Like, if Chris Getz trades Luis Robert Jr., I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I don't care what his haul is. You don't get players like that with that much control. And no, that doesn't come don't. along anywhere, right? But then when you see some of these proposals, the out-of-town stupid, the idea like, oh, we'll give you our third best prospect and our fifth best prospect, but not our best prospect because, like, you know, I mean, he is only Luis Robert Jr. Like, this guy is a premier baseball player just entering his prime. 
that is going to be one of the best baseball players in the entire game here. And I believe that he will stay healthy more than he is hurt. And and so, like, this is a guy you don't move. Like, this is the one that I would just be like, you can't give me a good reason why you did it. I'd be done. I think the whole fan base would be done. I think Chris Getz knows everybody would be done. I think Jerry Reinsdorf even knows everybody would be done. Louis Robert Jr. is sticking around. Now, all that oh, yeah, defense, I, I all that offense. That's... I just laugh at all the proposals that are out there. I just I laugh out loud at them. I'm like, come on. They're not no, trading I, him. They're, they're not trading Luis Robert Jr. That's the other thing, too, is everybody assumes that Chris Gatz is building, is, is going rebuild, right? No, he's not. I don't see that. I don't see that either, because if he was going rebuild, you go into the Dodgers system and you pluck, again, you already did high upside guys, right? You don't go after Soroka and, and Schuster if you're going rebuild. Soroka, no, you I, only have one year of control. I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day. You really only have one year of control. Then he becomes a free agent. So why would you add a guy in where you're basically, it's a prove it year, unless you had an intention of signing him and probably signing him early on before he gets to a value where he's like, no, I want to go into free agency. So Roka's quote, when he was asked about how he felt about coming to the White Sox and things was that he was giddy. He was excited. He heard Chris gets his plan and it made him excited to be part of the White Sox. If you're a one-year guy who's looking towards free agency, trust me, you don't believe this team is winning in 24. You're excited about the long term, which means that somewhere in Soroka's mind, there's a possibility that he signs with Getz and that Getz is probably already kind of telling him like, let's get you in here. Let's see how you're doing. We see you as more of a long-term guy. You don't go get him if you're in a rebuild mode. That was the other reason why I liked the trade. That trade was not for prospects that are a couple years away. I'm sure they could have traded Bummer to the Braves for somebody that was two years away. Right. I'm sure they could have traded him to somebody else for somebody that was two years away, but that was high up on a list and on the MLB Pipeline Top 100 list. I'm sure they could have done that. He didn't go that route because this is not a rebuild. It's a it's a retool, for lack of a better word. It's a quick build. It's a 24, we're going to tell you we're competitive because we got to sell tickets, but we're really looking at 25 and all the payroll flexibility. And by the way, when we talked about that a couple shows ago, about the three guys that were going to be still on the roster that you're stuck with, when you get the 25, one of them was Bummer, and he's out of there. You right. actually have more payroll flexibility, and Lopez, Schuster, and Soroka are worth more money this year than Bummer is. They will pay them more money, so they actually increased payroll, even though it was only like by a million or two. They increased payroll. That's not a rebuild move. No, and, and that's why this is not going to be something where Dylan Cease has traded for a bunch of high-end prospects. Dylan Cease has got to be traded to a team where it fits Chris Getz's vision of guys who are ready, guys who have upside, guys who are under control, but it's got to be good enough because you can't just sit there and say, all right, I'm trading this hyper-talented pitcher who, again, questionable whether or not he's got ace material because he doesn't go deep enough into games. He doesn't really dominate when he needs to. But this hyper-talented pitcher that is welcome on any contending team, guaranteed, it's got to be a pretty good haul back, but it's got to be with a team that has guys to send back to him, right? With rotation pieces, with with everyday players, with guys that are going to anchor what the team does in 24 and 25 and going forward and not somebody that's going to arrive in two years. That's where the flaw was with the deadline deals, right? Is that we don't know if any of the guys that – are really going to be good there, 
are even going to be able to contribute in 25. We don't well, know Edgar if Edgar Caro, Caro, in my mind, isn't somebody I'm even relying on until 26. Exactly. And I, and I know that, and Getz has, Getz has to feel that way too. Corey Lee is the catcher right now because he's all that they have. But I would imagine By that Chris default. Getz is like, we need to come up with a better plan for that position for 2025 than just hoping Corey Lee becomes something. Right. And, and you look at what's out there and there's not much. I, I think the most interesting name was Andrew Neiser. That was a, a, a non-tendered by the Cardinals. He's a guy that, you know, was kind of a higher end prospect for them and is, is a veteran now and, and has a little bit of pop in his bat, has a you know decent reputation as a defensive catcher. He might be a guy that you throw for a year or so and then let Lee or whoever duke it out. But Edgar Carroll, yeah, I'm not counting on him until 26. Jake Eater, quite frankly, hasn't had enough in the minors because of his injuries. To really count on him, twenty five, maybe twenty five. He's here. maybe twenty five. I know but everybody's like trying to tell you, like, oh, he could be up this year. He could win a job in spring training. Like, don't look at his stats. I mean, again, that, that's the biggest problem. But that's that's Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams right. thinking, and you've been conditioned to it. I think a, there's a there's a section of yeah. the fan base that's been conditioned to that thinking of how's he? What's the earliest this guy can get here? All right, we're counting on him then. No. no. No, stop looking at the earliest that the guy can get there and get at the realistic time that you when think that not only is he ready. here, but he's not going to walk in and be his best guy's going to get to the majors and have to adjust and all that other stuff. It's going to take time before that person is contributing. Why do you think Andrew Vaughn is so underwhelming? Yes. yes. Why, that, why did somebody like Carson Fulmer come up? Who's got stuff, right? Guys, teams kept taking a chance on this guy. He never learned how to pitch professionally. He was rushed to the majors. It, it, it's, and that matters. I'm going to use it, it an example. I'm going to use an example from another team because I'm fortunate enough that I get to jump on the the, the Bucks in the Basement podcast in Pittsburgh and talk every once with them once in a while with them. And and I'll tell you this: uh, Mitch Keller was being completely abused in that way, right by the by the previous general manager. And when Ben Sherrington came in, he sent Keller down, and he basically said, "Not until you're ready, young man, because the next time you come up, you're up." Because he was up, he was down, he was up, he was down, and they almost ruined that guy. Forever. They almost ruined him forever. And it was because a new general manager came in. And, you know, I hear that in Chris Getz when he says, Oscar Colas, you are not part of the starting lineup of this team come spring. Because he wasn't ready. Because he, he knows he's not going to be ready either in a couple of months. And Colas might not like that. And that's why the next day after Getz said that, he was out the, the door at the at, in the league that he was playing in and back to an, a different offseason regiment. But it's not going to change Getz's mind. The previous regime was like, we got this guy and on paper, we think he's going to be okay. So we're just penciling him in and we're moving on. And if everything works out perfectly, no injuries, perfect uh, advancement this offseason. He figures out everything we told him he needed to figure out in September. He's got it all worked out by March. Then everything's going to be perfect. He's going to hit. He's going to hit. He's going to be gangbusters. He's going to be win rookie of the year. And that's what we're counting on from him this year. And if he goes and does that, we've got a chance to make the playoffs. Like that was the old way of doing things. So when I look at these guys... When I look at this team, I want to see Major League Ready guys. We've been saying that for the last couple of months. That's why the last trade made so much sense. That's what I expect in the return from the next trade. I don't think we're going to see Rick Hahn-type trades anymore. We're going to see that they may get, they may not get the top prospect when they trade Dylan Cease, but they're going to get somebody that is expected to be a true, a true contributor in 25 who's probably on the team playing at the Major League level at some point in 24. At, at an absolute minimum with those players at it. And in the case of Gavin Sheets, you know, a bucket of uh, balls and some Neats foot oil for their gloves. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks 
in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.